Hey guys, uh, this is a little pre-message before we start the episode because I want to let you know this episode deals with a complicated topic. We like uh, just got out of it yeah. and I would say the beginning was super overwhelming, but it all tied back together by the end. Yeah, so uh, do what we did. Let your brain be pummeled into submission for a while and then it will start to make sense. At least it did for me. So that's all I got to say. I, yeah, I learned something. Uh, if you could stick with it, give it a shot. Cool. And here we go. Cue the intro. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. Balanced budgeting brings buku bucks. My name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you this fine? Oh, what day is it? I can't even remember. Tuesday. Tuesday. Evening. And what are you drinking? Dude, I'm as I am as relaxed as you sound right now. And you nailed that, like, buku bucks something. He- when I, when I read it for the first time, I had to remind myself what that word meant or like sounded like because it's spelled like Bukoop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking of that one word that's kind of like tentacle something, you know. But anyways, I just have a Cosmo, yeah, what are dude. You? Oh, yeah? Yeah, post-work, you know, I need like a nice cocktail to chill out. Lauren makes mm-hmm. an amazing Cosmo, so. I hear you're chilling out a little bit more, which sounds like a good thing. Yeah, dude, I, I, uh, I took a bike ride all up the west side of Manhattan this past weekend. It was amazing. Uh, I'm super jealous right now. <laughs> dude, we have had, I'm, I kid you not, like 40 mile an hour wind gusts for the past two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm building a container garden for Anna. Uh, I built the box and then I kind of like threw it out in the yard. And she's like, uh, last night, she's like, hey, why don't you go out and dig like the sod up so you can put the container garden in? And I'm like, I'm not going to go dig sod up in 40 mile an hour wind. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then she gave me a patty face. So I'm probably going to be guilted into doing it tomorrow. So hopefully the wind dies down and then I can ride my bike as well. But uh, I am drinking a Penny Whistle Bavarian style wheat ale, which I believe is brewed here in Iowa. Hmm. So I'm representing the Dude, Midwest. Uh, show the bottle real quick, man. I want to say. And wait, wait, wait. Uh- Wait, I want to see your face. Uh, actually, that's perfect. Are you going to do like a little screenshot? I snarl <laughs> snap. Are yeah. we back to the beer shots? Mm. Nice. Anyway, so I've got the beer. You've got the Cosmo. Don't Cosmos usually come in like fancier glasses than that? Or are you just sort of like... I, it's like slightly twisted. I mean, you know, it's, it's a little... Oh, I, I drank out of that glass before. You did. You did. I did. Anyway, hey guys, today we have a listener on the podcast who was here to school us on bonds. All things bonds. So uh, Eric is a listener who works in fixed income sales and trading for a global bank. And uh, hey, man, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. It's, uh, I'm glad to be here. I've been a listener for, you know, since you guys almost started. I'm a somewhat of a personal finance nerd. So when I usually actually try to go to sleep every night, I usually hit a different podcast. So you guys are one that came up. And, you know, I listened to a couple of your uh your attempts of explaining bonds and, you know, definitely, <laughs> definitely was interesting to say the least. But I, I remember being at that same point, um, trying to understand it. And uh, I'm glad here to, you know, answer some questions and uh, kind of dig deep if necessary and uh, explain the uh, wonderful and somewhat confusing world of bonds. Eric, I just want to say one uh, that's awesome that we help put you to sleep every night. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and, and two, yeah, dude, it was awesome. You reached out. You actually live in Hoboken as well. I thought it was super cool that you actually trade this stuff every day. You know quite a lot, and you're going to come teach us. Like, what's up? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, uh, you know, I'm right now on the sales side of things, but you know, sales and training kind of work hand in hand. 
you know, I work more in the wealth management area. So what I do is actually I I do sales working with financial advisors. So many of you guys, you guys mostly invest, I think, online. But a lot of people, especially higher net worth individuals, ultra high net worth individuals, use financial advisors. Uh, well, you know, and sometimes wealth management, small wealth management firms. And I work with those people to advise them on how to develop their fixed income portfolios. Uh, I focus mainly on municipal bonds. Mm-hmm. It's kind of its own area in fixed income because it is tax free income. Uh, and munis kind of are their own little beast. But I do cover, I know I have knowledge among the whole fixed income universe and it is a pretty wide array of products. You know, the, I guess the normal, you know, the person that you got, when you guys talk, you just say a bond. Mm. Um, unfortunately yeah. it's not as basic. It's not like a stock where we could just say <laughs> there's just one stock, you know, GE has one stock and, you know, maybe it has two, you may have two classes, but in bonds, it ranges, you know, every, Every bond has a different maturity, and that itself is its own uh, investment vehicle. And for probably the, you know, for the maybe someone 25 just coming out of college, now with a lot of income, we, mo- we mainly don't, you won't be investing in individual bonds. You'll be probably investing in some type of mutual fund that might right. have, that probably has bonds in it. Um, but it's really important to know because essentially equities and fixed income are the basics of any investment vehicle. So you guys, you know, we, you know, you guys might put into different types of, uh, you know, maturity, uh, you know, mutual funds or managed accounts. And, you know, it might have a destination or a description. You know, this is a growth fund or this is, uh, you know, a dividend related fund. But you, a lot of people don't know what's actually underneath. And sometimes it, it could hurt them in the end. Actually, we're going through a lot of that right now. With uh, you know, uh, in our comp in the company I work for, a lot of people own mutual funds that are composed of municipal bonds, mm-hmm. and you know they would buy. You know, and again, it might go a little quick deep into things, but you know, municipal bonds. A good thing about a municipal bond and, has some like tax uh, you know, advantages or something, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, like, the, go ahead. I have a million questions popping up right now. What is a municipal bond? All right. So let me actually backtrack one thing, and I'm going to give a real quick list so everyone understands. When we talk about a bond, there are several different types of bonds, okay? And I'm going to go through – I usually don't say I'm in bonds. I'm in fixed income, okay? Because fixed income really describes the entire universe. So, and I, I, I want to even yes. like just back up real quick. Like fixed income speaks to like an investment class where you put money in and you expect to get X money back on a consistent basis. Exactly. So the basic bond now, and, and again, it's going to go some, some work a little differently, but your basic bond, the whole point is that you buy a bond and it's an IOU. So you give, let's just say a thousand dollars. Okay. And you, you essentially hope to get, you're going to get coupon payments. A coupon is the interest payment in, in bond universe. We say it's a coupon. You get it usually on a semi-annual basis for a set amount of years until it matures. At maturity, you're going to get back the principal, right? The face value of whatever you invested. So if it was $1,000, you get your $1,000 back at the end. And what you've collected was interest payments in between. Uh, Now, that's the interesting thing is what happens in between. And that's where bond pricing gets in and gets into bond math. And I think, Andrew, said you're a data engineer. It gets very into very uh, wacky math, let's just say. Bond math 
gets thank God I have a Bloomberg terminal. If you guys don't know what a Bloomberg <laughs> terminal is, it is essentially what everyone in you know everyone in sales and trading the universe uses. They're, they cost like three thousand dollars a month per terminal, and it's like your universe, and so, it has calculations on there, so you don't have to actually calculate the math anymore. Eric, let me ask you this: so you you have a bond, and say it's it's an amazing bond, and and amazing in that it's probably close to junk, and it returns seven percent a year, right? So um, the price goes down. Wait, see, let's let's go back. Actually, you're gonna start confusing people because now you said the word junk, and some, and I'm sure Thomas has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> That's true. Junk. Yeah, I've heard All of right? junk bonds before. You have heard of junk bonds. I don't know what, what it is what though. We, what we say is below investment grade as a nicer term than junk bonds, which were kind of popular to be called in the '80s. But let's just track back and just let's when we say bond, right? Mm-hmm. Let me just go over what types of bonds there are. So yeah, there man. are things from the from starting from the top. You know, we have government related bonds, and you, those would be called muni. No, treasuries. Damn right? it! Right? <laughs> yeah, those are the so, ones we talked about. Yes, treasuries and treasuries kind of are the benchmark we use as a benchmark. All other bonds kind of trade a lot of times off treasury. So traders, what they do is. To calculate the the price of a bond, bond prices are in yield, not in dollar price. You it can be converted, but when you talk to traders, they talk off spreads off the treasury rate, okay? Because the treasury is kind of the base mark yield, and uh, so give know, us an example. So okay, if so, the if the treasury yield is two percent, like what would how would you describe a six percent? So well, no, what it would be. For example, if you had, let's just say, the you know different bonds like corporates, okay, munis don't trade off a spread actually, but court off the treasury spread, but corporates do a lot of times. And what it would be, what it would be like if you said, all right, you know, the ten year ten year right now is at one ninety one, so I have to have these kind of implanted in my head all the time. So ten years at one ninety one, one ninety one, and what you would say is, if you know a GE bond is spread is trading plus 20 off the 10 year. Now I'm not a trader. And so I don't memorize what different spreads are on different, different bonds. And usually it's traders focus on, on certain types of bonds and maturity. So you'll have a trader that just trades, uh, industrial bonds between 10 and 20 years. And that's their focus. And they live and die by those bonds. They know them, they know the spreads Mm -hmm. And you no, know, depending on different. Dude, credit- do you to- wait? Well, you have to go back because you gave an example, and I you totally lost me. You said yeah. <laughs> the, the so the treasury was like one point one nine or something, and you said the spread was twenty. Just I to go over that par lost. value. I was gonna yeah, say like I, I feel like <laughs> like lost. I feel like this is an episode of Lost where every episode you watch, like three new questions are introduced. <laughs> so, oh, it's it's yeah. I yeah. could I definitely can understand how uh, it could get like. Are, that. are you familiar, so, Eric? Are you familiar with Reddit? I've, yes, I've heard of it before. Have you heard I, of the Reddit, I, like, teach me like I'm five? No. <laughs> oh, explain, yeah, explain like I'm five. Explain like I'm five. So, it's such a good subreddit. All right, dude. So, uh, real quick, um, because, I, and I want you to, like, kind of pick up from here, but I, I yeah. think, like, we're, we're like, uh, maybe a bit advanced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Not we're a bit advanced. You're a bit advanced, and we're a bit slow. Well, remember, we talked about this is going into the weeds, right? So I can pull it back and, and get away from scaring people and just go over the different types of bonds to start off with. Maybe. Let's let's not talk about pricing so yet, because before, right. pricing before gets a little crazy. Yeah, Bond types, 
can we like define some of these terms concretely for people? Cause like, I, I feel like sure. people don't know what coupon means. Yeah, no, like, let's, let's go back. Right. Thing. So a bond resets like an IOU. And, uh, so a coupon mm-hmm. is, is the actual interest payment that's paid in most bonds semi-annually. So twice mm-hmm. a year you will get that coupon break payment and it's broken up in two. So if it's a 5% coupon, of a thousand dollar bond, of a of a thousand dollar bond, you're going to get twenty five dollars twice a year. Now, when you say a thousand dollar bond, does that mean that's what's printed on the face and like what you're going to get at maturity, or is that what you pay to buy the bond? Well, if if a, if they still printed out bonds, they don't actually you don't actually receive a bond certificate anymore. But if you did, it would be the face value. That's why it used to be called okay. face value. But you would have to put up a thousand dollars for that bond. And then, like I said, there's a maturity usually on that bond and that maturity, you're going to get back that par value, the face value and plus, you know, the coupon. plus, plus every coupon payment going up to maturity semi-annually. So you're going to okay. keep getting those, you're going to be getting those bond, those coupon payments on a semi-annual basis. So, so this sounds different from a savings bond where like my grandparents would pay like half of what was on the face of the bond. And then I'd have to wait a certain amount of years. And well, then I'd yeah. get what's on the face. Well, those are actually, you know, there are those types of bonds. They're called zero coupon bonds. Kind mm. of they're relatively okay. similar where you pay something under and actually, uh, T bills, which are, uh, which are short duration, uh, shorter bonds. Okay. Under a year, those are usually tra- uh, sold at a discount. Okay. And then you get back face value at the end. But those, so those are, are zero coupon. Bond. So you, so you uh, make, well, you get no payments, like but you, you get, get no, more at the end, right? A, yeah. You don't get, you don't get coupon payments. You just, you're buying it at a discount and then at, at maturity, you'll get that par value back. Okay. So there's two kind of like separate classes of bonds in that regard. Then you have the ones there's, where you get that money at maturity at a discount when you pay, you buy it. And then there's ones where you buy it at face value and you get a coupon interest payment semi-annually, right? Yes. Those are, well, those are two of the more basic bonds. Okay. Unfortunately, it's not, doesn't stop there, but let's just say (laughs) that, like I was saying, we started with treasuries, right? That's one type of government. That's a government bond that has different stated maturities. And it's really the benchmark that a lot of other bonds are going to be based on in terms of what the rate environment is. You okay. buy a mortgage, your mortgage is going to be based off the government tenure, right? Everything's kind of traded off. That tenure is like our bellwether okay. benchmark. Um, okay. And it, it does relate back a little bit to uh, the federal funds rate. And uh, I think almost you would need definitely your own episode on the Fed, uh, which last time I yeah. think uh, – I actually I think I wrote an email to Andrew because he was totally wrong when he was trying to explain it to you, uh, Thomas – when he was saying that it was uh, the the federal the federal funds rate is the the rate that actually it's not uh, set by the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve uses open market operations to actually affect that yield of where where it is that rate. But that should be okay. its own episode. So I'm not going to go any further than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But we had Treasuries. Okay. Next big thing are agency bonds. Okay, those are issued uh, from uh, the what they call government-sponsored enterprises, and they're like Ginny Mae, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. These are the agencies that 
essentially allow a lot of our mortgages to come around in the housing market. The next one is called mortgage-backed securities, or what they call or CMOs or pass-through certificates. And this this is probably the more complicated part of the fixed income market. These essentially what happens is I don't know if you know when you guys if I don't know Andrew, do you have a, a mortgage or are you are you renting? I have a mortgage. So your mortgage. You probably don't know, but when you've, and I'm not sure, but when you, your, your, your bank got its mortgage, it sold off your mortgage. So I have okay. Wells Fargo. So that I think they hoard mortgages, but they, they, oh, they, they hoard all their mortgages. They don't, they don't actually collateralize any of them. Oh, uh, well, I, I mean, to be honest, I don't know what they do on the back end, but I've uh, only had a deal with Wells Fargo. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're actually, they're, they're, they're probably your loan processor, but what they'll do is they're not going to keep that mortgage on their books. They're going to actually uh, what they'll do is they'll probably sell it to Ginny May or Fannie Mae, and then they will collateralize that loan into a fixed income payment. And again, probably one of the more complex areas, and that was part of what happened in the 2008 housing collapse was how those mortgages were being you know, packaged and what they said those mortgages were made of. Okay. Uh, but those are mortgage-backed securities. Then there's other ones called corporate bonds, which is probably what you guys kind of feel more familiar with. Mm. GE, uh, mm. you know, Exxon, they all have different corporations or are, need to raise money, uh, and they do it through debt payments, and they do it through equity. Debt's really good because they get the write-off part of it for their taxes as well. Uh, there's commercial paper. That's another fixed income, in, uh, uh, fixed income investment where it's for... Uh, companies for 270 days or under, it's for their short-term financing needs. Then there is preferred, preferred, uh, preferred stock, and those are kind of like the hybrid. They're listed on the stock exchange, but they pay a fixed coupon rate, and they're pretty common among banks a lot of times. So, to issue wait, those. Eric, preferred stock pays a fixed rate. Yes. Is this the same preferred stock that I'm thinking of, like preferred versus common? Yes, common. So if there's a hierarchy in terms of the the hierarchy is if a, you know if a company if a company goes bankrupt, who gets first dibs? Mm, the bondholders. Right? Right? Well, yeah, but there's all different types of bonds, right? Okay. So there could be there's secured bondholders. Those are bondholders that actually those bonds are backed by actual um, property by the company or investments by the property. Then there's senior unsecured. Then there's subordinated uh, uh, bondholders. Then there's preferred stockholders, and then the common stockholders get last dibs. So those preferred mm. stockholders have a little bit higher of an, you know, there's a hierarchy, and they're a little bit above common stockholders. But they're really, they're they're the, they're kind of like in between bonds and stocks preferreds because they do have a fixed coupon, and most of them have no maturity date. So they're callable usually, uh, and that's another word. They're callable mm. usually five, you know, after five years of being issued. And that's probably another word that you guys never heard of what a call is. And what that is, some bonds have what they call a call on them. And what that does, it allows them to allows the issuer to call back the bonds. Okay. And what that means is you might have a bond that, let's say, is a, it's very common in municipal bonds. You might buy a 30-year municipal bond. Right, and I guess going in, since I'm more of the muni guy, I could kind of go a little more in detail. A municipal bond now is is pretty interesting. Is that there's that the most common one you think of is 
New York City issues or New Jersey State issues issues bonds to finance various activities. Okay. So this is like a this is like a federal treasury bond just issued by one specific city. Yeah, so okay. yeah, the yeah, so it could be a city or a state, it could be a locality, a, a town. Uh, it could be actually also a water company. It could be a hmm. airport. Uh, anything for the public good can kind of put in Yankee Stadium has bonds, believe it or not. Uh, that so are tax free. I, I want to ask you because yeah. we have all these different types of bonds, you know, like muni bonds, corporate bonds, whatever. You know, I, I want to put my money in something and earn. Like, should I care that it's a muni or that it's Yankee Stadium or that it's GE? Like, how, like where does the difference do matter choose? to me? Is it just that the yields are so much higher for munis or something? Like, what? Well, I guess it's your goals, right? So municipals, muni bonds are mainly, they're more targeted towards higher income individuals. And the main reason is you're not going to get as higher of an interest rate. They're higher quality usually. And, and most likely what you're getting is you're getting tax-free income. So, de- you know, and depending on where, what state you live in and what bond you get, you could have either it being fully tax-free or at least federally tax-free, the, the minimum. So depending on the state mm-hmm. you live, if there's state income tax, what, what bonds have is there's an agreement where if I buy a, and I'm not going to go into the specific laws, but let's just say for New Jersey. New Jersey has a state income tax. So what that means is New Jersey honors it where if I buy a New Jersey bond, a municipal bond, and I'm a New Jersey resident, I'm going to receive that interest income that's usually taxable, federally tax-free, as well as my state income tax being free. Oh. However, okay. let's say New Jersey, I, I'm in New Jersey and I buy a New York bond. So I buy those Yankee bonds. I will get, it, it will be federally tax free, mm-hmm. but it will not, I will get tax on my state income tax. Now, if I lived in Florida, there's no state income tax. I could buy a bond from anywhere. Okay. So it's, it, and, huh. and what you look at is it's, it, it gives you, so when then when you compare what they use is what it's called the tax equivalent yield and it's a way to compare municipal bonds to other bonds like corporates because you have to take that into account when you're looking at your return think about it that $1000 bond if 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 it was if I was getting that from municipal I'm getting the $50 if I bought a 5% New Jersey bond at par that year I would get $50 tax free now right. think about if you bought that thousand dollar GE bond, that fifty dollars would yeah. be tax highest income tax bracket is thirty nine point six percent right now. Plus so even the, if you make seventy five bucks on that bond, you're going to make less on why? the net. Yeah, because it's thirty nine. Think of it, if you add it all up, it's if for New York, it's in California is the best. California. So let's just say federally, the highest tax bracket. So I'm Tom Cruise out there. Thirty nine point six percent tax rate. Plus now the new Obamacare, they say the ACA tax, right? The Affordable Care Act tax is an additional 3.8% tax on that highest tax bracket. So now you're at what, 42, 43%? Plus California state income tax for the highest tax individuals is 12%. So you get a 50, you're getting interest, yeah, 55%. So when you're looking at where you want to invest, that's where munis become very attractive because even though the Mm. yields, the, the interest rates, are a little lower on a tax equivalent yield basis sometimes it makes more sense 
And more importantly, a lot of times, municipals usually, on an average, are more safer. There are what they call junk or high-yield municipals, just like in the corporate market, but they're not as prevalent. Now, in the current situation, if you guys, I mean, Andrew, you live in New Jersey, so you know mm-hmm. the pension-related issues right now. Um, it's, I, making, it's making a lot of states. Illinois is another big state. Um, and Puerto Rico, if anyone knows, Puerto Rico has $70 billion worth of debt. They're currently, I think, you know, bonds have ratings. They're currently uh, trip, you know, around triple C rated bonds right now. So very um, bad. So does that mean like if your bond matures and your your bonds from Puerto Rico, like they're very likely to be like, we can't pay you back. Right now, that's the big talk right now. Puerto Rico is a very interesting thing. And this might go a little bit sweet, but it's pretty interesting that Puerto Rico is this little island. And what they what's always made their bonds very popular is that they have what they call triple tax exemption. You could live anywhere in the United States, and Puerto Rico interest is for, is tax free. So mm-hmm. I could live in I could live in California and buy Puerto Rico bonds and be and feel all right that I'm it's going to be totally tax free. So what that led is Puerto Rico is kind of like someone that's in very bad credit card debt right now. Uh, they are leveraged to the hilt, uh, okay. and it's it's starting to come down into some pretty murky situations and and whether they could actually make their payments going forward is you know is good a test i mean i know that you know my firm is really pushing a lot of retail investors for sure out of puerto rico because of that credit situation and that kind of goes mm-hmm. into an interesting thing about bonds bonds are not only affected by interest rates which is probably the more complicated thing to understand but they're also affected by their credit rating Okay. So credit ratings are like report cards, uh, and there's three major credit rating agencies. Uh, maybe some people have heard of S&P, Moody's, mm-hmm. uh, Fitch. Yeah. These are rating agencies, and they rate bonds. And uh, depending on what agency, they all use a little bit different. Uh, ones S&P has a pretty popular one. There, it's easy to understand. AAA is the best. Then you have, you know, you have AAA, AAA, uh, you have AA, AA plus, AA minus, and it kind of goes down. So you have a AA plus bond; it's a little bit better in credit rating than the AA. Then it goes AA minus. Then it goes A plus. Then it goes A. Then it goes A minus, and then you get into triple B. Then it goes triple okay. B. You know, so triple B plus, triple B minus. Yeah. And the cutoff for what they consider investment grade. And below investment grade is triple B minus. So anything okay. below triple B minus is what you guys would call junk. And it's important okay. because many of the mutual funds that you guys buy uh, that you might be invested in might have restrictions where they can't buy below investment grade bonds. Right. Uh, so it's an important – it's a porter cutoff, and it's, uh, it, it does determine a lot in terms of the fixed income world whether you are in that junk category or not. So, uh, but why would people buy junk bonds? Is it is it just the same as like high risk stock where there's a potential to make a lot because it is risky? Well, yeah, I mean, so just like uh, you know, what what you'd be doing with like a junk, yeah, like uh, I guess I think you guys had like penny stocks or something like that, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. real cheap to start. Junk bonds or lower credit credit uh, lower credit rated bonds 
trade some, you know, trade cheaper. Right. And by cheaper, it means the yield's higher. So okay. this is that another type of that inverse relationship. So kind of when you're talking about a junk bond, let's just say a bond has a 5% coupon. But if it's yes. trading at a discount, so let's say that bond, a $1,000 bond, usually buy at par. If it's Which would be 1000 right? 1000 yeah. Okay, so, so par just means the face value. Yep, and we remember okay. the bond a bond price would be a hundred. So it's at a hundred, it's at par. Okay, so we use that. If a bond's trading at a discount, it might be trading, let's say, at ninety, and that okay. would be the equivalent of nine hundred dollars. What would so happen? Wait, there why is, is why is ninety and nine hundred equivalent here? Like, is there? It's so bond pricing is just based off of a hundred. So it's it's just a way. Oh, there's just the yeah. scale, arbitrary scale of. Yeah, zero. it's always just just think of taking a zero off. That's all it is. Okay. So okay. If you if you think about it, almost like I think of it as a dollar. So it's ninety cents on the dollar. So gotcha. a, and just like a bond could be trading at a premium, and in our rate environment, so some bonds could be trading at one twenty. So right. what would that be? One twenty. So that'd be twelve hundred bucks. Exactly. Right. You'd have to pay twelve hundred, and that's very common. There's municipal bonds right now that buy right coming out of the out of the market. A five percent bond issued by New York City right now, you might have to pay one thousand two hundred fifty dollars for to get a five percent coupon bond. Well, so, then it's going to take you five years to even make your money back on the on the the coupon rate, right? Yeah, and but then you got to remember too, bond bond yields are assuming that remember you're getting that coupon payment back quicker. You're getting that. You remember you're getting fifty dollars. You're getting fifty dollars back a year. That fifty dollars. What can? What are you going to be doing with that fifty dollars when you get it? Probably reinvesting it. Exactly. So that affects what your 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 yields going to be. And when when and that's where bond math gets a little kind of complex is that it's being reinvested. Uh, okay. So when you have a yield on a bond, it's assuming that you get that coupon back and it's being reinvested at that same yield. Uh, okay. And it's easier to show probably on a whiteboard, but we'll kind of go again, like, so w depending on where interest rates are or the credit, a bond can trade at a discount or a premium. So think about right. just a discount. It kind of makes sense. Now, if you say that you have a 5% coupon bond, if you bought it at par, your yield is going to be 5%. Does yeah. that make sense? Yep. So now if I bought the bond at 90, right. my yield is going to be higher than that. Because it'll be the 5% plus the extra 100 bucks. The extra 100 bucks you'll get at maturity. Right. Makes sense? Because so you're say gonna it's get an five extra years, then that's like $20 a year. So... Plus yeah, you could kind of. That's where you could go into a little bond math of how it gets there. But you could kind of assume and how it, how you really. I mean, when they test you like on a series seven, which is the the broke, uh, which is the 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 licensing exam you need to to uh, you know to to trade. What you what they would ask, what you need to really just understand is that on a five percent coupon bond, if you bought it at par, the yield to maturity. All right, there's a yield. There's a yield, and it's usually to maturity. You could, you could just, we'll just go for now. Yeah, would be five percent. If you bought the bond at a discount at ninety, your yield to maturity, let's say, would be at five point two. Okay. All right, depending on what the maturity is, it might be more or less. Okay. Right. If you bought the bond at a premium, your yield might be four point seven. 
Okay. Does that cool. make sense? How yep. it's affecting the yield. So then when we talk about yields and prices, that's how they're kind of, they, they move differently. So when you say, hey, that bond's got a high yield on it, it means it's cheaper. Okay. So bond if there's a bond that's, that's trading at a premium, then the incentive to buy that is maybe the, the credit rating, I'm guessing, or like the tax advantages? Because it's certainly the, not the return. It's the credit rating, and it's also the maturity. So, to, I mean, and the int- the relative interest rate. So, a five percent. Let's say in this current environment, right? A five. And this is where Andrew kind of went into. Uh, I think he's mentioned before. You know, the inverse relationship. If I right now, right? If I have a bond, let's say you own a bond already, and the bond's a three percent coupon bond. And bonds right now in the market, because of where interest rates are, and we'll just use that term because we don't want to get into too much detail on rates. Interest rates now are being, bonds are being issued at 5%. Your 3% coupon bond, you think it's going to be cheaper or more expensive? Cheaper because it's not as high of a rate as what you yeah. can get today. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so, and this happened, you know, what's, ha- what's actually happened is, Bond prices have been going, you know, with a low, think about a low yield environment, current bond, you know, people that have owned bonds in the past, those bonds are becoming more expensive. So the yields are lower. Okay. And that's where it gets a little weird, right? Because we always want to think something's more expensive, right? A higher yielding bond, if I own a bond and it has a very high yield, it means it's the, It's the, the, the price is cheaper. Yeah. All right. So okay. uh, that's why when we when they talk about spreads and traders are like, hey, this bond's trading right now a hundred basis points. Okay, hundred basis points just means one percent. Twenty basis points means point twenty percent. Okay. Uh, if a bond's trading very wide, that means that it's cheaper because it's it, what it means is if the treasury's at two percent and your bond's trading at a hundred basis points above it. It means that it's a higher yielding, right? It means it's cheaper. The closer it is to that treasury, the, the tighter the spread, the more expensive your bonds got. So you'll hear traders saying, hey, this bond's tightened 30 basis points. That means okay. that your bond has increased in value. So I'm, I'm sort of like piecing together a bunch <laughs> of different uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, incentives for buying, or I guess like factors in that go into a bond purchasing decision. So you have like the yield... Uh, like the coupon rate, and then you have like what it's trading for. It could be trading for at a discount. It could be trading and the premium. credit rating, the credit, credit rating, rating, yeah, tax advantages based on who's issuing it, and all these factors kind of go into the choices that people make on which bonds they buy, basically, right? Exactly. And what okay. really, in the end, what the what you know, your financial advisor would would ask if you had a financial advisor, he'd ask. What are your goals? Mm-hmm. Now, what's, what's your goal? I mean, there's people that buy, like you guys are saying, zero coupon bonds. There's zero coupon municipal bonds. And if you're a higher income individual, there's bonds. Let's say I buy, I could buy a zero coupon bond right now that's set to mature 20 years from now. I might do that if I just had a kid and I want to pay for college. I actually just okay. set up a portfolio for a guy who has, uh, has a daughter that's going to, you know, that's like five years old. And I bought him four zero coupon municipals that would pay for each year. So they were staggered out to pay. So it would hit on every year he had to make that college payment. Okay. So basically so that's like, a goal. I'm big Earl, the oil man. And I have like 50 grand right now. So, and I'm like in 20 years, I want to have 80 grand or something. 
so I can get a zero coupon bond and know basically for sure that I'm going to get that back. Yeah. But, okay. and, but, and, and, but the thing is, you know, there's, it kind of gets into zero coupon bonds are probably the most riskiest types of bonds in terms of what can happen in between. So okay. the big, the, the problem is when you hold on the bond, mm. there's what they call duration risk. The thing is, cause okay. once you own a bond, guess what's always happened? Rates are always changing. Right, and you're not and, getting paid the coupon regularly. You're just having to wait. Well, you the whole point is the rel- that relative value of what your bond's going to be priced at might change. Yeah. And for but for most of us and the people that are probably most people listening on this podcast, they're going to be a regular what we call buy and hold investor. So for them, they're not really they shouldn't be really worried about what their bond is pricing on a day-to-day basis. That's right. more done on the institutional side, all right? What big investment banks and hedge funds are trading bonds on a day-to-day basis for what they call total return. They're not mm-hmm. only worried about coupon payments, they're also worried about what the price of the bond is because they're worrying if, they, if that bond's going to go up in value or down in value because they're going to sell it before maturity. But for most of, okay. what, most of people and what you guys are going to buy a bond for – you just need to feel comfortable with the coupon payment you're going to receive yeah. and the credit rating of that bond. If you're comfortable okay. that the bond will make its payments and you're going to get your coupon and you're going to get you're going to get your par value at maturity, that's the most important thing. And that's why T-bonds are enticing to people because even though they might not have stellar, you know, returns like the reputation and the the peace of mind is about as rock solid as you can get. Yeah, I mean, and the the, the crazy thing in in the world right now is to know that the German ten year bond. Remember, we just said the U.S. ten year bond has a yield. Okay, so remember that's like a price. Okay, but you could kind of think of it. Like, you could kind of think of like an interest rate is paying right now. If I buy a ten year Treasury bond, I'm going to get an interest rate of one point nine one percent. Let's say. Right. The German bond. You guys know what the, the return on the German 10-year bond is I'm, right now? I'm going to say it's negative. The bond. It's actually still a little positive. It's at 0.09. The Swiss 10-year oh, wow. is at negative 0.19. So what, what I don't get is <laughs> okay. why you would ever invest in a negative return. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast because it's actually <laughs> – there. It's, it's, it's a real big topic of conversation right now because you know part of it has to do with – What's happening, you know, for the, the ECB, right? Mm. The European Central Bank is right now doing what we oh. did a few years ago. They're doing a bond buying program. Mm. Okay. Essentially, think about like supply and demand. And You'd buy like a, a negative return thinking well, that it would become positive? Well, well, what's driving down the yields, right? Think about it just like bond pricing, right? If you keep buying bonds, the, if there's a, there's, a, there's a major demand for bonds, right? So like... Right now, the European Central Bank is buying government bonds to try to lower rates. By buying the bond, what you know, there's high demand for that bond. That's going to drive up the price and drive down the yield. There you go, guys. You got it. See, so that's what's causing these yields to drop down right now. Is that now why it's at a negative rate? That's where some people are saying some some types of big funds are required to hold certain types of. Uh, government bonds, and they have to they have to hold it. And other people are just saying, I need to park my cash. I, I can't keep it in cash because there's also currency concerns holding just cash. And they might feel more comfortable investing in this, uh, paying for. And the the crazy thing is, I you know I was actually listening to Bloomberg today that you 
you have to pay for the right to invest in a Swiss 10-year bond. And then if you want to get a mortgage, they'll pay you because it's on the other side of the loan. Okay. Huh. That makes no sense. You shouldn't say, say okay from that, Tom. That, that should just totally I'm more just like right saying okay because it's like <laughs> one of those things in the world that I'm going to choose. You're not saying to because interest rates are negative that if you took a mortgage out, it would actually pay out as opposed to you paying out. Yeah, and I just started reading that, so I haven't even fully gotten that in my head. And I, I have to read this stuff all day. So trust me, it's it's a, it's a pretty weird world we are right now where that's happening. And a lot of people, a lot of much smarter people than me are confused on what's happening with this and whether, you know, what's going to occur from this type of environment. You know, I think going forward, we're in this type of low interest rate environment for, you know, for a long term. So, you know, for, for the common investor right now for bonds, it's, it, it's kind of it's a tough situation. The bond market's a, it's a challenging time right now because rates are so low. And you guys, you know, you're talking about other types of things where you can invest and you're getting you're being promised returns of you know seven, eight, nine percent. That's not happening in the fixed income world for regular bonds right now. Uh, but like anything else, any type of investment philosophy, you have to have it structured. You can't just full, you know diversification is important. So. You know, it's kind of be you know it's really important that you kind of still think that you, you still have to have a, a certain allocation of fixed income in your portfolio. Let, let me ask you because in a high interest rate environment, you know, and, and bond yields are high, that's a great time to get into bonds, right? And you'd actually get into bonds when it's really high and ride it all the way down to the bottom, and you could make a ton of money, right? What happened in the last thirty years essentially, where bond yields at one point were you know interest rates were a lot higher, and as rates kept dropping. The, the the price of your bonds increased in value. Right. But here here's my question is now we're in a low interest environment, right? Yep. You know, we, we can obviously have a downturn as frequently as when we have a high interest rate environment. But, you know, interest rates are low. Does that mean bonds are a shitty investment because it's it's only going to get worse from here. Nah, you can't really think because it kind of like, you know, when you look at the stock market and you look at like the history, there's dips and dives, right? There's ups and downs. So you, mm. overall, yeah, in my, you know, the you know, if you look at the S&P 500, it's it's gone up. Well, interest rates don't move exactly in a pattern and and the thing is different, you know, it goes into the yield curve next, you know, rate different different uh, depending on the maturity uh, like, so right now, a regular yield curve, the whole point is you should get paid more, right? The interest rate should be higher on something longer in maturity than shorter, right? Mm. Make sense? Well, guess what? It, going in the future right now, it's going to get to the point where the yield curve is going to be flat, where the interest rate for a one-year government bond is going to be the same as the 10-year government bond. Or so very there's similar. no reason to take the Weird. risk of locking yeah. in a longer term. Well, well, right now, actually, believe it or not, they think the safest part of the the uh, yield curve is the ten year right now because it's going to kind of stay where it is. But okay. as the Fed gets ready to change the federal funds rate, mm. okay, where right now it's 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 targeted between zero and 0.25, and the federal funds rate is the rate that banks charge each other to borrow. Okay. All right. That's uh, that's different than what uh, the other rate called the discount rate. That's the rate that the Fed charges banks. 
And it's one of the tools of monetary policy the Fed has. The Fed has three major tools. One is the reserve ratio, a reserve, uh, the reserve ratio, which uh, which determines how much banks have to keep in reserves, which is its own complex thing. The other thing is the discount rate. And the third is open market operations where the where the Federal Reserve buys and sells treasuries to affect that federal funds rate. And that's kind of oh, that so they federal, can't just like straight up set the funds. They don't set it. It's done through okay. open market operations. It's 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 by buying and selling treasuries that that rate gets affected. Okay. And then that's that rate affects the short end of the government yield curve. The okay. interest rates of short end. Longer longer yeah. like the 10-year 30-year bond, they get more affected by other things like inflation expectations. Yeah. All right. Other that things that might affect it. So it's it gets a little more it, it's harder to determine what happens on the long end of the of the yield curve, what we say. So people right. that, you know, if they're interested, you can just Google yield curve and you'll see it, it's it's really one of the biggest, you know, it's one of the most important things in fixed income sales and trading is is really to know how that yield curve works because that determines, you know, it, it's a, a graphical way to really understand where the rate markets are right okay cool cool i feel like uh we 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 started in like super intense bonds and we went like into a fireside chat with eric about like investment banking pricing (laughs) but but i feel way more knowledgeable about you 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 laid a lot down i feel like i had like this sphere of knowledge and i have like now like shot out little tendrils in all different directions so now i need a backfill in certain areas but i I have like i know some new things you know guys i i mean (laughs) i learned it literally a lot of this was i mean besides just you know of course regular training but just going online you could go there's like learn bonds there's a million places where you could kind of get a good idea because a lot of it you have to actually, you know, there's so much you have to actually just see it a lot of times. It makes a lot, of, a lot more sense. Uh, but it's really important because, like I said, you guys are going to, a lot of people, most people that are, are going to be investing are just going to be investing in managed money that's there already. But it's important to know what's behind that. You know, you yeah. buy an ETF. What's in that ETF? You have no idea. People just buy a bond ETF and they have no idea what bonds are in it. Right, right, and it, it's it's scary because you don't know what's behind that, and there could be a time bomb there, and and it might look good right now, and you know, two years from now, it might be a different story. Uh, so it's important that you keep that in mind, uh, regardless of if you actually buy individual bonds, because like I said, buying individual bonds are usually for bigger investors. You know, usually, you, you know, I would say most people, if you had a hundred thousand dollars, you probably wouldn't invest in individual bonds that much. More right. for you know at least a million five hundred thousand to a million dollars usually is where some people might start playing the individual bond market just because you need that diversification okay. that's not there. Yeah, I believe there may be one person in the audience <laughs> that has that has a million dollars. Hey, you know, but believe it or not, some people like playing around with it anyway. I talk to guys that have you know sometimes they do only have a hundred thousand, but they they like the the thing the thing the last thing I'll say is this. Buying an individual bond as opposed to buying, let's say, a bond fund. The real thing you have to understand is a bond fund, you're getting a monthly dividend, right? But you don't, you, you don't know what you're going to get every month. It could be different because they could buy and sell. Exactly. Because yeah. yeah. they're, they're buying and selling. People are coming in and out of the fund, even in each bond ETF. You don't know exactly what you're going to get sometimes. So the thing about 
uh, individual bond is you know what you're going to get. And for people that are, you know, for like, that's why municipal bond, you'll see in, like a lot of old, they say like grandmas buy municipal bonds because what they'll do is they know if they buy a million dollars worth of bonds, they know exactly what they're going to get in income every year because that coupon payment is set. It's fixed. Yeah. As opposed to they bought a bond fund. They don't know what they're going to get. It changes. Right. So people that are on a mm. fixed income, that's another reason they buy individual bonds because you know what you're going to get with an individual bond because that coupon payment is fixed and stated. Okay. So cool. that's another way to really kind of think of it. Cool. I think well, I'm, hey, uh, I think I'm like... exhausted and scared most of the people off. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit scared and exhausted, but also I feel a little bit enlightened. enlightened. So thank you, man. No problem. And yeah, I feel like I just have like more areas that I can learn, and I know kind of where to look. Uh, yeah, I know that there are more than just T bonds now. So <laughs> yeah, you know, you could really you could spend you know an hour on each different type of bond and on pricing. So again, if you guys ever in the future need need uh need to talk about something more specific, I'll be more than happy to scare more people. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I'm gonna wrap this up unless you have any objections, Andrew. No, I think it's pretty solid. Awesome. And one thing I forgot to say was that uh, this uh, this week's catchphrase came to us from uh, C to the P on Twitter. <laughs> so thank you for that catchphrase. And if anyone else wants to send us catchphrases to have them met on the show, we are at Money Matters Man on Twitter or Listen Money Matters on Facebook. You can also email us questions or hate mail or nice things if you like. Uh, those are over our email address is listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, you can leave a rating and review on iTunes. Today's rating comes from Nick. I'm not going to try to pronounce that last name. Y-N-G-L-V <laughs> on iTunes. And uh, he says, this may not be for you if you are already a snobby money professional, but for the rest of us, this is absolutely perfect. Just like anything, it's important to find something you will actually stick with. And I found that here. They offer great advice in a manner that is easy to understand and apply to your life right away. I was in a financial mess before, but thanks to these guys, I'm well on my way to financial freedom and success. Those are the kind of reviews that we want to hear. That's what I live awesome. for. Glad that we are affecting some lives here. Uh, yeah. And hopefully with this newfound bond knowledge, people will <laughs> still keep on the path to doing what Nick's doing. Anyway, uh, so yeah, thanks for that review, Nick. And uh, if anyone else wants to leave a review on iTunes, it definitely helps. You can find our favorite money management resources at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. Where you'll find books and tools and I don't know all things and stuff and it's changing. Bearskin rugs, All, always, occasionally, mostly bearskin rugs. Vintage yeah. comic books. Mm. I, I have, I have. Of you know certain. when you know when Superman died and he spawned oh, yeah. into. I have the <laughs> all five in like mint condition. Actually, uh, I have those because I found them in your apartment and put them in my bag. God damn it! <laughs> well, I used to have them. So. <laughs> anyway, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. And thanks for being on the show, Eric. We'll see y'all in the next episode. Later, guys. Later, man. Tell your friends about this show.